Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans is brought to listeners like you. If you want to help Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans grow, then donate some money to the show. Tell your friends about it. Tell them where to find it. Tell them that it's on pgttcm.com and that you can also find it at Black Clock Audio Tales Audio Feed. And you know what? Dave's a cool guy, so why not help him out? All right. On with the show, and remember, Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans, it's got a Facebook page. Just look for Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans. You will not find that combination of words anywhere else pertaining to anything else. I guarantee, and if you do, I don't know, uh, tell them that there's a podcast that they should check out. All right. Hey everyone, this is D.B. Spitzer, producer of Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans. Hope you're all doing well. We got uh, another 30 or 40 minutes of uh, Dave talking passionately about stuff that he likes. I've got it right over here in a box. Right over here! Full of uh, big, big tapes uh, proprietary to the recording equipment over at Dave's place. So, yeah, I get to drive over to Orleander, uh, Oregon. I always want to say Washington. I (laughs) drive to Orleander, Oregon, pick up a bunch of stuff and drive back at what I do for this podcast. Yeah, so we got 30, 40 minutes of more stuff Dave wants to talk about. He's going to be talking about uh, his favorite scene from Star Wars again. I, 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 I've gone over the audio, and it's not just him saying the same things over and over again, but ultimately it's Dave saying the same things over and over again, how he likes it. It reminds me of this and this and that, and then you learn something. You're like, oh, wow, thanks, Dave. But then after that, we've got uh, two stories about uh, uh, one about a 70s rock and roller uh, who sang songs about alien gods and UFO abductions who disappeared in a desert uh, and uh, about a woman in the 30s who gets a guitar from the devil uh, to revenge her dead lover. Are these stories true? Are they fiction? Is one real and the other made up? Listen and you may decide. Also, we are going to have some shirts coming up soon in the store for Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans, Oleander, Oregon, and also for Uncle Owen's Goat Farm. So watch out for that. I'm not a huge fan of Oleander, as the last time, I think I've got some tapes there, and that's one reason why four is behind, is I left a tape over at the police station. I was pulled over, they're like, you look like this guy, and I'm like, what? They're like, you look like this guy, and I'm like, I do look like this guy. Then we go back to the police station, and I'm like, I wasn't even born back then. I have no idea why you have a photo of me from the 40s, or a guy who looks like me from the 40s. My family didn't even live in Oregon. Heck, we weren't even in the country yet. All right. Anyway, so, yeah. But now, let's get a drink at a bar in a galaxy far, far away. So this is the second part of me talking about the cantina scene from Star Wars. And and I did say that there was a part that was cut off that would make you think very differently about Han Solo. And that's basically what was originally going to be on his lap when um, Luke and uh, Obi-Wan entered the bar. 
and that is Jenny. Jenny was a patron of the bar, and you notice that she has a very Earth name because the cast or the crew, they didn't give Jenny a name. And unlike, say, other characters in the bar who got stories made out of them, she she just never got a short story named after her. In the, uh, the original Star Wars novelization, uh, she's just described as a woman with a, an inhuman grin. And instead of giving her sort of a offensive nickname like they did... Uh, Insert any offensive Kenner name right here. Dave sure loves, uh, Dave sure loves his Star Wars. So Dave's now going to talk about the strange missing case of Jim Sullivan. I have not heard about this case before. I also find it interesting. Dave says the Illuminati has no records on the case, but you can find some. Not a lot of info online. NPR has an interesting story about the man, his disappearance, his music. But for now, let's listen to Dave talk about a rock and roller who vanished into New Mexico's desert and might have been abducted by UFOs. A little story I like to call. Actually, I'm not the Crypt Keeper. I just wanted to talk in that voice. Um, let's go, Dave. In a lot of ways, uh, Jim Sullivan's uh, case is a pretty much standard in 1970s standard by the books missing person case if there is such a thing except for you know his minor success as a musician and a, a recent resurgent and a release uh, of his music but the case took a turn for the weird uh, back in March uh, 2017 where uh, an amateur sleuth who was trying to, uh, to to find out more, find out what happened to Jim, uh, wanted to update the records in NAMUS. Uh, now, NAMUS is a database which keeps track of details on line missing person cases so that people around the country can be familiar with it, maybe add clues. But when it was submitted uh, to NAMUS, uh, they came back with the conclusion that there was no person named Jim Sullivan who had ever had a missing persons case filed uh, in the state of New Mexico. And this kind of sparked a, an online investigation or a possibility that maybe this whole thing was made up for publicity in the re-release of Jim's album UFO. And a lot of serious investigators or, you know, part-time investigators who are really interested in trying to find details of this case kind of dropped it at that time. Now, I have a problem with this being an entirely made-up publicity stunt. And that is that we know Jim Sullivan was a real person. We have his music. We can, I've seen interviews with his wife, you know, people who knew him, people who had interviews of people who had been at his gigs, you know, employment records, 
newspaper articles, you know, at the time that he was, that he disappeared. And, and so just, I mean, if he didn't disappear in New Mexico, what happened to him? You know, other than, you know, accepting the, the sort of ridiculous possibility that Jim Sullivan was a made-up person who never existed and until they decided to release a, a record and claimed it, you know, was from someone back in the 70s, which they just, I, I can't believe it. There's just too much evidence that he at least a lot was alive and that he disappeared somewhere between, you know, Los Angeles and Nashville. So my alternative theory as to why there was no apparent records of, of his disappearance or no missing persons report is clerical error. I mean, a lot of records in the 1970s were paper written down. A lot of it was later transferred to computers. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of things disappeared. I'm sure there are a lot of records that just didn't go from you know, paper to digital. And, and so the idea that a remote New Mexico Sheriff's Department paperwork got lost after 45 years or somewhere in a 45 year period, to me, that's a lot more logical than this whole concept that, that Jim Sullivan never disappeared or that he never existed. But to best of my knowledge, no one's ever resolved this issue or come with a, a definitive issue. This is why we do not have a missing persons report for Jim Sullivan. So what happened to him? Did he leave the planet on a UFO? I'm a little skeptical of that too. Um, but what I do know is that a man who who wanted so much to be famous for his music and who came so close is now basically remembered because he disappeared. Not for the reason he wanted to be, which was the music he loved so much. That's a weird one, Dave. I don't know. What do you think happened to him? Was he... Uh sucked up into the sky by aliens did he uh i don't know get murdered is it a big publicity stunt what happened to jim sullivan so now we have a case that you won't find on the internet anywhere but here on dave's underground goat shenanigans dave found this file as he explored the illuminati base and his goat farm was built over i hope they don't come back from outer space wherever they went because I don't think they want uh, the case of uh, Diane Monster's guitar getting out. Uh, so one of the things that I find sort of the most interesting is that in this underground base that I, I live above, the Illuminati, they basically set up rooms for like very special items. And it's, 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 I, 
it must be like a museum. That's the only thing I could think of, is that they, they took people in as tours. Because these are truly museum-level displays. So I'm going to go ahead and share one with you today. So uh, this room is, we're about 13 or so floors under the ground. And, uh, okay, here's the door. Let me go ahead and open it up. Okay, and so I'm entering the room, and it looks like maybe a 1930s honky-tonk. Now, uh, a while back I talked about a, a radio that was haunted or, or had the psychic projections of the family that died listening to it. Uh, this story also took place in 1938. Uh, 1938 was a, an interesting year. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft died. We got both Superman and Batman. L. Ron Hubbard had a, a near-death experience that uh, put him on writing a, a story called Excalibur. Uh, of course, it was Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. Uh, strange glowing lights that fall, fell out of the sky over Sweden. Uh, some people say even destroyed homes. So a lot of weird things happened in 1938, including this story. And, and again, you're not going to find this story anywhere else because the Illuminati did everything they could to keep this one under wraps. But I'm going to tell you the uh, story of Diana Morningstar's guitar. Now, what's important to remember is uh, Diana Morningstar, like most people in this story, was born in 1911. So Diana and many of the people in this story uh, are 27 years old. And this is going to be an important factor later on uh, as we explore this story. But uh, let's explore this room for a bit. So there's an old jukebox there. And above it, we see some black and white photographs of famous African-American blues singer. Here's one of uh, Sonny Boy Wilson, uh, Lead Belly, Robert Johnson. Now, here's one, though, I, you probably wouldn't recognize. I didn't hear, know of him before this. Uh, Jacko Hill. Now, Jacko, he he was a, a blues man uh, from from Mississippi, of some talent, but he didn't get the fame that the others got, probably because of his death, but he's going to be key to this story. And then there's other pictures, color pictures, from much past 1938 uh, of famous musicians. Uh, Kurt Cobain, uh, Amy Winehouse, Mama Cass, The Jimmies, Hendrix, and Morrison. Then there's a, a bar up here next to uh, the wall. It's got a, a Confederate flag and a mirror behind it. And on the bar are a bunch of uh, empty bottles that you would have seen, whiskey bottles or whatever, different types of alcohol you would have seen in 1938. Uh, there's a, a jukebox here. I think that they just put that one there for, you know, effect because it, it looks to me like a 50s jukebox, but you know, even the Illuminati doesn't get everything right all the time, but they're, they're set in the scene. And then here on this pillar is a guitar. It's an acoustic guitar. It's made out of wood. 
strings appear to be metal. Um, looks handmade. Not bad, but it looks handmade. And then burned into the wood are the initials DM and below it the number 27. Then on this pillar we have in a leather folder the Illuminati case notes on on the history of Diana Moonstar's guitar. Now uh, we open it up and you know there's this type file but the first thing you see is this picture of this striking woman. Uh, looks like she has Native American features. Uh, she's wearing a 1930s you know Mansu with a fedora. In fact, if anything, the fact that she's wearing masculine clothing makes her look more feminine to me. And she has really sad eyes. And on the corner is scratched in the name of the artist, uh, Jim Morrison, and it's dated July 3rd, 1971. Now, those of you that are fans of The Doors... Uh, Jim Morrison, the, the lead singer, that's the day he died. So what does this picture have to do with this guitar? Let me tell you. Well, we've got to go back to Philadelphia, Mississippi, 1938. And Jack O'Hill, like I said, was a, an African-American um, blues singer. You know, on Depression era, era America... He um, got by, you know, uh, playing guitar, you know, uh, picked a little cotton, you know, worked, you know, construction, anything he could to get by and living. But, you know, his main thing was, um, was, was blues. And he loved the guitar. And he loved blues. In fact, he actually quit cotton picking because it damaged his fingers. He didn't want to hurt his fingers so he couldn't play, play music. And... He made a living off of it, you know, as much as, you know, any, you know, person made in the South during the Depression. It, it, it was a tough time. But he loved the blues. He loved the music. He loved the guitar. Only thing in the world he loved more than, than making music was Diana Moonstar. Now, Diana was 27, and so, just so happened, uh, was Jacko. Now, she was from Philadelphia, Mississippi, and she was of mixed ancestry. Uh, she was Caucasian, but she was also half um, Choctaw Indian, uh, Native American. And she fell madly in love with this blues singer. And, and the feeling was mutual, you know. You know, the, the stereotype, you know, of, of uh, uh, blues singers, you know, have a lot of women. Uh, or, you know, Robert Johnson, you know, dated a lot of married women. But no, Jocko was very faithful, as near as we can tell, as all the records tell, uh, to Diana. And she was faithful to him. Now, I didn't find a record, or the Illuminati didn't find a record when they researched this, that they had been married. But, you know... That really didn't mean much. Uh, Preacher probably would have cost money, and they were both kind of bohemian spirits that not really religious, so there was no real reason for them to get to get married. But it didn't mean that they weren't deeply, deeply, passionately in love. And 
Diana Moonstar was a pretty woman. Uh, and, you know, so was, so was Jacko. He was a handsome man. But Diana's looks got her the attention of one of the, you know, county deputy sheriffs. And she rejected him. She was madly in love with Jacko, and everyone knew it. So the sheriff and his buddies are going to take this out on Jacko. And what they did is, and this is, this is terrible. This is a terrible thing that happened. But we are not going to deny that this happened in the South in the 30s. They basically lynched him as a black man who was in a relationship with a white woman. Now, here's the irony. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I hate using the irony. But here's one of the, the terrible things is, you know, that community, they didn't really consider Diana Moonstar white. She was half Native American. You know, they didn't consider her white. But they used it as an excuse to lynch her lover, Jacko. And they did. They hung him and killed him. They hung him without a trial. Because... Deputy Sheriff, the woman he loved. Whoa, well that's a bit of an odd tale. The devil gave a woman a guitar so she could get revenge on her lover's killer, but has to provide him with the souls of 27-year-old musicians? Well, not demonic, but let me tell you about some other musical instruments I've been working on. Uh, the guitar that you heard was uh, something I actually made recently, uh, I mean, it's not amazing. I, I, I needed some uh, royalty-free uh, guitar music, and I didn't feel like paying anyone. So I made my own. And also, I've been making canjos. If, if, hey, if, if you're interested in a stringed instrument that I can ship across the United States, hey, I'll, I'll uh, talk to me. I'll hook you up. It's, 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 it's a fact, Jack. You've been listening to Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans. If you want to help out Dave, if you've got audio that you want to send in, if you've got a story you want to tell, if you have an opinion about nerd stuff that totally flies with the same opinion as Dave and I have, as in, you know, you're not a creep, you know, you're not a jerk, you know, you treat everyone with respect, and you think everyone's cool, for the most part. I mean, I don't like people who attack seagulls at the beach with nets those people are jerks um so yeah Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans is brought to you by Uncle Owen's Farms and Oleander City's House of Jam get on the jam with Oleander House of Jams okay thank you so much and we'll talk to you next time and hopefully we'll find all the tapes for uh, episode number four, and you could find out some stuff. You, uh, all's, all's I, all's I'll tell you, there's some secrets. There's some secrets. We're not doing this on purpose. There's actually legitimate tapes missing. All right, thank you all for listening, and listen again some other time when this podcast is available. I've been your producer, D.B. Spitzer, who's apparently paid by the second.